Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Mark Walters. I'm at University of California, San Francisco at Benioff Children's Hospital, Oakland. And the name of my talk is entitled Gene Correction in Sickle Cell Anemia. This schematic shows uh, the hemoglobin molecule that pairs alpha and beta subunits. Each subunit has a hemoity that carries oxygen to the tissues. So alterations in this hemoglobin molecule that alter its abundance and uh, or function or stability are among the most common genetic disorders worldwide. And together they're associated with anemia, reliance on red blood cell transfusions, chronic illness, and in sickle cell disease, early mortality and, and extensive morbidity related to this underlying mutation. The gold standard for curative therapies today, still today, is allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation for sickle cell disease. Um, however, many, if not most patients, are not considered for an allogeneic transplant because they lack a well-matched donor, or they have advanced disease that makes a, an allogeneic transplant too risky. And in these data published in the last year or so from registries in Europe and in the United States worldwide, the overall survival after uh, transplantation is shown. And while the mortality is less than 5%, if, uh, if there's an HLA uh, matched sibling as the donor, the, the mortality increases to 10 to 20% if an alternate donor is utilized. So together, these uh, transplant data show that only 18% of families have an HLA identical sibling donor and only 19% have a well-matched unrelated donor and if, even if we were willing to accept a mortality risk of 10 to 20% when an alternate donor is selected, most patients still won't have a suitable donor. In addition, clinicians who take care of sickle cell disease patients don't refer them because of these concerns about graft-versus-host disease and the risk of dying of the transplant itself. So until very recently, transplant was largely restricted to children, but applied very sparingly. So the opportunity and the, the, the gap that this research aims to address is that, first is that, uh, can we modify autologous cells for clinical benefit and thereby expand the availability of a curative therapy because a person with sickle cell disease can act as their own donor? And second, can we ensure equitable access to, to a novel curative therapy that, that applies this um, new approach? So, the current genomic modification therapies for sickle cell disease are, are listed in this slide. The best, most widely developed experimental therapy that's nearing FDA approval is gene addition therapy. So uh, stem cells are transduced by a lentiviral vector with an anti-cycling beta globin or a fetal globin for the same anti-cycling activity to elicit a, a curative effect. There are also gene therapy trials that are currently active that edit a molecule termed BC11A that increases fetal hemoglobin and thereby elicits a curative uh, or beneficial effect. And then this talk will focus on gene editing to correct the sickle mutation directly. All of these approaches uh, rely on ex vivo modification of the hematopoietic stem cell. In vivo gene editing is still uh, not yet reached the clinic. So what level of gene correction will be clinically important? So this is important because using the current gene editing protocols, it is not possible to modify all the hematopoietic stem cells and thereby correct the sickle mutation. So we know from transplantation using allogeneic donors that as little as 20% of the, of the patient's marrow made up of donor cells is sufficient to cure both sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia. 
And that's because there's this natural enrichment of the, of the donor erythrocytes and precursors uh, that occur in the marrow and in the bloodstream to elicit a curative effect. So these data that I'm not showing today would indicate that correcting at least one sickle mutation in at least 20% of the engrafted stem cells should be curative. So I'm gonna share some details about the sickle allele editing project currently supported by CLIN1 funding, initially supported by a TRAN1 CIRM grant that involves investigators at three sites. So the first is at Benioff Children's Hospital Oakland, at our research institute, David Martin, Wendy Magus, and Dario Buffelli. At UCLA is the, is the manufacturing site where some of the uh, IND enabling studies, uh, most important IND enabling studies were performed, led by Don Cohn and the project manager, Mark DeWitt, with Zulema, Romero Garcia, and Suzanne Said. And then the Innovative Genomics Institute at Berkeley, uh, Jake Korn, um, who was um, more recently replaced by Fyodor Erner with Stacia Wyman and Jonathan Vu. So the schema for the preclinical development is shown in, in this diagram. It begins with collecting plurks for mobilized discard metapoietic stem cells from sickle donors. These are electroporated by our gene editing reagents, edited uh, and then uh, injected into uh, a xenograph, xenotransplantation model, whose marrows are harvested 16 to 20 weeks later, sufficient for hematopoietic stem cell engraftment. These marrows are analyzed by uh, next generation sequencing, both on and off target. There's a single off target OT1 that uh, is monitored. They're also uh, selected by CD34 positive beads and CD234 positive beads. The latter are, are, is an erythroid marker for RNA-seq and uh, ultimately RNA uh, erythroid differentiation to, um, to look at the, both the hemoglobin and RNA-seq for gene expression profiles. And then colony assays from the CD34 positive cells, again, to get at gene expression in erythroid colonies um, derived from these mouse marrows. So the results of the correction are shown. Uh, each dot represents a mouse. Four co cohorts of xenografted mice are, are shown. And the average correction from sickle to wild type at HBB is 23.4%. So, so meets that 20% uh, threshold or benchmark that we hope to achieve, but this is balanced by indels, which introduce the equivalent of a thalassemia or null allele that doesn't generate a stable hemoglobin. That occurred at 65 of the HBB alleles. So really the question is, is this uh, ratio, is this balance sufficient to elicit a clinical effect? So um, the possibility that it might be is suggested by the next slide in which the frequency of gene-edited cells from two manufacturing lots were tabulated. So um, colonies in soft auger were picked, and several thousand colonies were picked, and then genotyped uh, according uh, to the derivative HSPC. And what's shown in blue are the, the cells that have at least a single corrected allele. Um, the green slices of the pie are uncorrected or retained sickle mutation, and then the red are indel, indel uh, homozygotes, so these would be thalassemia-type cells. And what we, what we observed is at least 40% of these cells, of these colony-forming units, have at least one corrected allele. So 40% uh, balanced by about 40% containing an indel at two alleles, and then the remainder being uncorrected. So based on the mixed chimerism da data and allotransplantation, we would predict that this level of correction 
having a single corrected allele in at least 40% of the cells would be curative. And while one cannot prove this outside a clinical trial, we do get um, a glimpse of this at, in the following experiment. So it's possible to look at HDR events that extend to the sickle allele and correct it. Um, that's shown by the guide RNA in red showing a, a cleavage site above it where the strand, the strand extension and DNA polymerization commences. And it's possible, and luckily this happens rarely, for that strand extension to stop after it reaches the PAM mutation, but before it reaches the sickle mutation. So those are the internal controls for the homology-directed repair events that we'd like to compare. So in this experiment, uh, what was done was to uh, genotype individual marrows from mice that were xenografted. And beginning in the far left panel, these are the unedited controls. And what's shown is that uh, unfractionated marrow CD34 positive progenitors from the same marrow or erythroid progenitors, the CD235 positive cells, all show about the same level of representation, both in the unedited controls and in those mice that had homology-directed repair that only reached the PAM mutation. So no, no difference between unselected marrow progenitors or erythroid cells. But look what happens when sickle-corrected homology-directed repair has occurred. This, this uh, occurred in 20 to 25% of the mice, as I, as I just showed, both in marrow and CD3 or positive cells. But the erythroid cells show this marked uh, enrichment, uh, representing approximately half of the alleles that were genotyped. And, and shows what we would predict, which is, a, which is an enrichment of the corrected alleles in the marrows of these xenografted mice. What's interesting, if I take you to the far right panel, these are the non-homologous end-joining events that generate uh, a thalassemia allele. These actually drop out of uh, representation in the erythroid series, just as one would predict. So in the clinical trial, what we uh, strongly suspect will happen is that the thalassemia alleles won't contribute and will fall out in the marrow, whereas the corrected alleles will, will, will make healthy red cells that repopulate and expand in the circulation. So um, another uh, adverse event that's important to study is uh, chromosomal translocations. And in this case, we're looking at translocations between the on-target HBB gene and the principal off-target, which we, which we call OT1. So it's possible to assess for this risk by droplet digital PCR testing using the primers as shown to bridge the junction chromosomal translocation break. And um, using a, a threshold of 0.01%, um, what this figure shows is that the, the, the level of uh, translocations was at or below the level of detection. In, in one case, it did exceed the level of uh, detection, but this occurred both in the mock and experimental pools. So these results suggest that translocations are an incidental finding unrelated to, to the gene editing in our manufacturing protocol, or they're an extremely rare occurrence, confirming the safety of, uh, of this manufacturing protocol. So uh, in summary, um, I'd like to finish with this notion of the ideal cell therapy profile. Um, it, it should protect from hemoglobinopathy-related complications, both clinical and subclinical events. Um, there should be a safety 
acceptable toxicity profile in the short term and the long term. Uh, it should be accessible and available to most patients, which is a significant hurdle in the future, and safe in both uh, children and adults. And then ideally, uh, a comparative trial design would show evidence of benefit of the curative therapy compared to existing supportive uh, care treatments. We hope to have at the end of these studies more than one choice to choose from, uh, both gene addition and gene editing approaches um, that might uh, enable our patients, which are really the focus of, of the studies, how, how, to, um, how to expand curative options for them. So the patients would have a choice and, and could make that choice based on both uh, benefits and risks to them in the long term. I'd like to finish by acknowledging the funding sources uh, for this work, California Institute of Regenerative Medicine. Um, we've also had assistance through the Alpha Stem Cell Clinic for infrastructure and IND development from the National Heart, Lung, Blood Institute and the Cure Sickle Cell Initiative, and then uh, philanthropic funds through the Jordan family at Benioff Children's Hospital, Oakland. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.